happy Uranus Day. And I want everybody to celebrate Uranus. Today is the anniversary of the discovery of the planet Uranus. Why? What did you think I was celebrating? All right, just leave it alone. But happy Uranus Day to you and yours. Uh, We are um, trying to understand what's going on in the financial world. And um, it, it feels like our world went from kind of recovering to teetering now on some sort of breakdown or meltdown. And the banks are always uh, key to, to our world because we live in a capitalist system. And I need help understanding the nuances and the intricacies of what's going on, not just with Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank and maybe Republic National Bank, but all the banks and how this ties together and what we should be looking for. So I reached out to somebody to help us kind of figure it out. His name is Jonathan Honig. You've seen him on Fox. He does a lot of stuff in the world of the finances. And he's been on with me in the past. And you can find him at capitalistpig.com. And I I like to consider myself a capitalist pig, but I'm kind of a piglet. I'm not quite up at the full pig status yet, but I'm trying. I'm working hard. So uh, Jonathan Honig has agreed to join us here this evening. Hello, Jonathan. How are you, my friend? Mike, great to be with you this evening, although it's funny. That's kind of what the banks and, and the market looks like these days, Uranus. Uh, so that's, <laughs> yeah. uh, there's, there's a similarity there. Yeah, way out in the distant space, right? It's, it's <laughs> dark and mysterious, and, and nobody really quite understands it. And you're completely right, Mike, to emphasize that, you know, when we talk about uh, failures in the banks and weakness in the banks and trouble at the banks, you know, it's not like any other sector. It's not like, you know, fast food necessarily or even manufacturing. I mean, what did the bank robber Willie Sutton say about the banks? I mean, that's where the money is. When you see some of these big names, uh, uh, major banks dropping by 30, 40, 50 percent in just one day, not to mention a few of the biggest bank failures in the last 72 hours, it's reason and cause for concern. Yeah, and uh, trying to understand this, Jonathan, I'm a guy who keeps a a bank account, a checking account, basically, and I keep uh, my 401k is somewhere else that I've been working on for the past 35 years, and it's not gigantic, but I am going to need it one of these days. And I've got um, a little bitty savings account that, you know, it goes into a money market, a money fund. But I don't have these giant multi-million dollar, billion dollar accounts. So how does a failure of something like SVB, which now is the second largest bank fal- failure in American history, how does that affect all of the other regional and, and small banks like the ones I'm involved with? Well, it, it, the fear, Mike, is that it could become a contagion, which is really not dissimilar to what we saw in 2008. But, you know, just to give a sense, this, as you said, it, it really you could say it started with Silicon Valley Bank a few days ago, but it really started a few years ago when the Federal Reserve, you know, uh, uh, brought interest rates to near zero and the tech boom uh, uh, went underway, especially the crypto boom. And basically what happened was, you had this huge amount of deposits in many, many banks, especially banks like Silicon Valley, Silvergate, another one. And the bank had all that money. Basically, they invested it in long-term government bonds, yielding 1% and 2%. 
Now, basically what's happened is investors have taken their money out of the bank. Now, of course, they're left with those bonds yielding 1% and 2%. But because of all the inflation that's been created, those bonds have gone down in value quite a bit. So they were, this is a classic, Mike, run on the bank. And the fear now is you could see a, a run on many of those banks. Now, if you've got under $250,000 in the bank, you're completely guaranteed. You don't have to worry about it at all. But the fear now is a lot of companies have way more than $250,000 in those banks. Uh, so that's why they're, they're withdrawing their assets. They're moving into what they call the, the big, too big to fail banks, you know, Citigroup, Bank of America, et cetera. And that's why it's these regional names that have really been under pressure. They own a lot of loans that are underwater, a lot of bonds that are underwater, and investors are scared, so they're taking their money out. And, and I can understand that because, you know, that's your money, and you don't want to lose it for something someone else did that you had nothing to do with. But um, my question, Jonathan, the, the federal government has talked about, the uh, Treasury Secretary Yellen has talked about, well, we're going to do a uh, we're going to do a backstop. It's not a bailout. What the heck is the difference? <laughs> well, look, it's not a bailout for uh, the bank's executives. It's not a bailout for shareholders. It's certainly you know, it's not a bailout for bondholders. Those who invested in the banks and these banks will get uh, will, will have huge losses. But it does seem, Mike, to be a bailout for depositors. You know, normally it would be just those depositors with under $250,000, which would have immediate access to the money. And other depositors, those with more than $250,000, they'd get their money back, but it might take a couple days, it might take a couple weeks, and oftentimes they would get, say, 98% of their money back or 95% of their money back. What the Federal Reserve did was launch what they call a $25 billion lending facility and say, look, to all the investors in this bank, Signature Bank, Silvergate Bank, and, uh, you know, and, and, and now the one that uh, First Republic that, that uh, failed today, SVB, which failed yesterday, they're going to have all their money back. So even if you have more than $250,000, that's going to be guaranteed by the federal government. And of course, Mike, where did they get the money from? From all of us. So that's the fear now. This is setting up a moral hazard. You know, back in 2008, it was just Bear Stearns. Then it was AIG. Then it was a multitude of banks. So that's the fear, Mike. And that's the, the kind of precipice we're on now. Is this going to uh, you know, uh, be a contagion in the many other banks with many more failures to come? Uh, Jonathan, um, you, you said that this is going to be costing us because we're going to support all of these um, depositors in these banks bigger than. But uh, I, I'm going to go back to this little clip from Joe Biden, and I'll play it for you. And to me, he seems to be saying kind of the opposite of what you were just saying and what I'm feeling, because I don't know where they're where they're getting the money. But here's Joe from just after nine o'clock this morning. No losses, will be, and I'm, this is an important point, no losses will be borne by the taxpayers. Let me repeat that. No losses will be borne by the taxpayers. Instead, the money will come from the fees that banks pay into the deposit insurance fund. Is there enough money from that deposit insurance fund to cover this 20 plus billion and God knows how many more? Not, not at all, Mike. I mean, that, that the, the potential losses for the federal government relative to the size of deposits are enormous. And, you know, keep in mind the, what Biden, I believe, is saying is, is that there's going to be no bailout for those in, for shareholders. 
the losses will be borne by shareholders. But, for example, what the government's basically doing, Mike, is saying, yeah, you can give us a bond that's worth 85 cents and we'll give you a dollar today. So even if it's the inflationary impact of the government holding on to those loans that are underwater for 10, 15, even up to 30 years, that money in that effort and that uh, that uh, loss is ultimately borne by the taxpayer. So, you know, there's no such thing as a free lunch. And that's, I think, the real fear moving forward now is that this doesn't end. And that's why the backstop of $25 billion, what it's supposed to do is basically stop the panic. And we're going to have to see if it works or not, if there's more to come in the coming days. As I said, Mike, I mean, I haven't seen losses like this, banks swinging around like penny stocks since the global financial crisis. So, you know, when the Biden says there's no reason to panic, the bank system is safe. I don't know. That's when I get even more worried and the market seems to agree. John, we're talking to Jonathan Honig. If you don't know his voice you should know his face he's on fox all the time he is capitalistpig.com for more data on this uh earlier i said jonathan that uh there are people taking their money out of the banks and they're putting them in duffel bags or in in the home safes or driving around with all that money sometimes 10 15 20 thousand dollars and i i'm one of those people who says well wait a minute you get stopped by the cops and they see twenty thousand dollars in cash in a duffel bag in your trunk there are some places, a lot of places that'll grab it and say, what are you doing with this cash? Are you a drug dealer? And now you got to get into civil asset for- forfeiture and try and get a lawyer. Am I crazy? Am I too far over the panic edge? On no, that no, no, no. No, Mike, do not get $20,000 in cash and put it in a duffel bag. I mean, you're begging for it to be stolen or lost. or that, That's a terrible idea. But I do think it's a good idea to make sure that you don't have more than $250,000. That's a lot of money, I know. But, you know, I know you have very wealthy listeners, and Joe's got very wealthy listeners. Make sure that you don't have more than $250,000 in any one bank. Then you're covered by the the Federal Reserve Guarantee, the FDIC insurance. Uh, Even if the bank, is this this, uh, extra effort, if you will, isn't extended to future banks that fail. So make sure you have no more than $250,000. And I have to say, Mike, too, I, I don't, have any interest in gold, but might not be a bad idea to take a look at, at gold. You know, it's always been the most long-term safe store of value. You know, gold's up about $70 in just the last couple of days. And, you know, look, if, if we continue to have inflation, if we continue to have more bank failures, if history is any guide, I mean, you saw, saw gold explode in the 1970s through the 1980s until that inflation was tamed. So, you know, the market might be trying to tell us something here. The Gold is flying, the dollar is falling, and banks are failing. Uh, this might be a return to the Harry Brown uh, hard money era of the 1970s if this plays out. This is um, such a worrisome time for a lot of people. And uh, I, I look at what we were trying to do to slow down, what our government was trying to do to slow down inflation, and that was raising interest rates. And as you explained, that had a lot to do with the failure of these banks that had all these low-rate bonds, and uh, then the interest rates are rising and rising and rising. And we're anticipating to see interest rates going a lot higher in order to cool inflation. And I'm hearing, Jonathan, that there may be a huge cut, as much as a full point, in um, in the Fed's interest rate. Won't that trigger inflation again? Well, you know, Mike, it's... Exactly. In fact, interest rates had been rising up until the last two days, 
We've seen the biggest drop in interest rates since the 1987 stock market crash. And it's for exactly that reason. And the anticipation now is because of the failure of the bank, you're going to see a continued slowdown in the economy. The problem is, Mike, those lower interest rates are actually, in this context, a worrisome sign. So the market's almost guaranteeing it's demonstrating you're going to see a pretty nasty recession. You know, it might sound a little bit wonky for for our listeners, but basically you're seeing what they call an inverted yield curve. You have a a one- and two-year bond yielding 5% and a 30-year bond yielding 3%. This is Hmm. a market telling us it's a very sick economy and you know, almost a guaranteed not only slowdown, but also recession in the months to come. So it's a good time, I think, for our listeners to make sure to, if you will, batten down the hatches, make sure that you've got your consumer debt paid off, you've got that the six to nine months worth of living expenses, and as we said, make sure you don't have more than $250,000 in any one bank. I would not drive around with a satchel full of cash, but uh, batten down the hatches, Mike, because I don't think we've seen the end of this tumult in the markets or the economy writ large. Yeah, you and I are both fans of getting rid of as much consumer debt as you can. Home debt, home mortgage debt is different. But credit card debt, especially when you look at the average rate you're paying on some of those retail credit cards, that's a killer. And if you can live beneath your means for the next 18 months to two years, when this economy may tighten up and firm up a little bit, you'll be in a prime position to be in a lot healthier shape than a lot of people. Uh, Jonathan, um, I hope we don't have to call on you again, but uh, I'm going to be I'm going to be having you on speed dial for the next few days in case anything crazy happens. Well, never bet against this country, Mike. We're still the most free, most individualistic, most capitalist, despite setbacks like this. So we might have some rocky weeks, but never bet against America. I love that about you. You're always positive on the USA. Jonathan Honig is his name. He is my friend. And if you need to know more, it's CapitalistPig.com. CapitalistPig.com. Thank you, my friend. Great to be with you, Mike. Have a good evening. 